Radio, the transmission and reception of electromagnetic waves on radio frequency, especially those carrying sound messages, or the activity or industry of broadcasting sound programs to the public. Fanboy, a male fan, especially one who behaves in an obsessive or overexcited way. This is the Radio Fanboy Podcast, and here's your host, Bevo. Today's guest is the wonderful Karen Prater. Now, Karen has had a very incredible career. Her name pops up on all sorts of uh, radio journals and websites and so forth. But at the moment, she's doing smooth 91.5 and 95.3 Melbourne and Sydney. Karen Prater, welcome to the Radio Fanboy Podcast. G'day, Bevo. So good to be here. Oh, wow. This is so exciting. I've been following your career for a little while now, and it's finally... Uh, a great opportunity to talk to you, uh, kind of in the flesh, but not really. We sound like we're in the same studio, but this is very high technology. We've got our roadcasters at home and um, sounding like we're in the same room together. I like this. This is good. This is a good vibe. It's a good vibe, although I have to say it's really strange being on the other side. I was a little bit nervous chatting to oh, you, actually. Oh, yes. I've had a lot of guests say this. Yeah. They're like, I'm not used to talking about myself. It's always about the guests. I know. It's, so it's going to be an interesting turnaround. So we'll see how we go. <laughs> Let's uh, go back to where it all started. Young Karen getting into radio. I believe um, Ace Radio in Wangaratta was your first gig uh, as an announcer copywriter. It was. Now, it wasn't actually Ace back in those days. Um, it was owned by a, a sort of a conglomerate of farmers um, who uh, had some money, put it into the radio station, and uh, and it was interesting. They had some really high-tech equipment, which you wouldn't expect from a bunch of farmers, and uh, we had an automated system, which was pretty impressive. But uh, that was, yeah, my first radio station, three in the... Uh, which was just down the road from my hometown of Albury, which oh, was kind of yeah. handy. Yeah. Um, in between leaving Albury and um, heading to Wang, I went to Swinburne and did the commercial radio course there with Jim Barber, who is just a legend. And um, RIP Swinburne Radio, uh, not a thing anymore, no. but I got to meet some pretty cool radio people, uh, up and comers. I worked with Tony Pippicelli. Oh, I studied with Tony Pippicelli. Yes. Um, Maria Fundus, who's been around, uh, Darren Robertson, there's quite a few old forget names, but it was a great year. Um, and so many of them went on to do really great things. That's so cool. Um, you ended up uh, going to Southern Cross Stereo in Canberra. That would have been yeah. Mix 106.3, is that right? No, that was actually 2CA and FM 104.7. Yes, was of course. In- yeah, it was in the Jollymont Centre, and um, it was just after they'd had um, a bomb go off. No was, way. Yeah, a couple of years before we got there um, during the breakfast show. So they're doing live breakfast above this, um, I think it was a um, travel agent, and the husband had you know gone a bit awry and drove a ute with gas canisters um, on the back of his ute into the things that exploded and of course everyone had to be evacuated and the guys are broadcasting upstairs during this whole thing the breakfast guys there's footage of the breakfast announcers coming down the fireman's ladder out of the studios upstairs it was amazing and they used to run that on repeat at reception when you walked in after the event is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, here's our claim to fame. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoyed my time at 2CA and FM 104.7. I was still really green. Um, and so I used to do a program on Saturday nights on 2CA called Jukebox Saturday Night. Oh, and yes. uh, 
I was Jukebox Karen. Hey! <laughs> For the remainder was, of this podcast, you'll be called Jukebox Karen. <laughs> and I was I was so young. I was only, um, I think I was 21, and I was on this oldie station, but it was great, and there were so many good announcers um, who I learnt a lot of. Um, Mike Perso. Um, was there actually? Okay, he was. Um, you've done the full and, circle there. Yeah, yeah, and he was he was fantastic. Also, Steve Mummery was um, content director there for a bit when I was there, um, and then I was on FM one hundred four point seven doing late nights after Doctor Feelgood. So I'd panel Doctor Feelgood, and then do late nights on um, FM one hundred four point seven, which was great. Um, and then what happened? Then I was poached for over to ARN to mix 106.3, but it was actually Canberra FM. I know, um, what an interesting name for a radio station, just naming it after the city. The here. city, yeah, because it had been Kicks just before it turned to Kix 106 and then it went to Canberra FM. Yeah. And Brad Story uh, was the content director there and he was just a dream to work with. He was lovely. And so he, I think he really helped me with getting the sound that I have today like he was so conscious of the smoothness of the voice and and being warm and welcoming and that's something that I've tried to hold on really through my whole career so I have Brad to thank for that um but my time there was great when they moved over to mix and then they merged with Oz Stereo um so we lost two double c and two ca and two double C joined together, and we had Mix and FM one hundred four point seven together, and that's when Steve Mummery came back as our content director. So I'd lost him at two CA, but he came back um, when it, when the the merge happened between uh, SCA and uh, ARN, and that was a really interesting time too, actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm going back to when I was uh, in Coober and we used to go up to Canberra on the weekend and yeah, it was, like you said, uh, Canberra FM and it was 2CA and I think um, 2CC was part of our group as well, which was yeah. uh, the Blythe group or whatever they called it. Yeah, Capital that's right, because they had yeah. 2XL, didn't they, as that's well? Right, and yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so that was, that was a bit of a strange time, but I think the transition when they merged those two stations together, the, the two FMs, it was really great because there were some amazing um, people working at Stereo. like Dan Bradley was the music director of FM 104.7 and, you know, he's just a total legend. And for, for a short period of time, it might have even been before the merge, um, Kyle Sanderlands was actually our promotions manager. Yeah for a really short period of time and he probably doesn't even remember his stint there because it would have been a month i don't know it was really short but um he was a really lovely bloke yeah. actually i have to say very okay. different than how he comes across today but really yeah decent decent fellow um so yes yeah, so we had some pretty pretty good names marty haynes and you know all those guys so that was a it was a really good time and then i was learning the music i was learning off chris Isaac, ivers chris ivers chris isaac um to do the music and i was assistant music director and then there was a position that came up in adelaide and i loved adelaide desperately um my husband had worked in south australia and was a big fan of you know all things south australian on air and i'd heard about all these legends and this opportunity came up actually no let me backtrack i we went over to adelaide for a holiday and i made an appointment to go and see richard winter at 5ad to get an air check 
Um, and I was just so impressed. And so I kept sending him, his, him air checks and he was just so um, thorough in giving me feedback and positive. And, and then one day they advertised a position for a floater being able to fill in on breakfast and across the day and programming assistant. And I saw the ad and I thought, you know what? I can't do that. I cannot go on breakfast in a capital city. I'm so not good enough. Anyway, like literally a day later, my phone rings and it's Richard Winter. He goes, hey, why haven't you applied for the job? Oh, really? (laughs) I said, what what do you mean? He said, we're looking for a floater and we're not looking for something that floats in the bottom of the toilet. Oh, yes. That old you know, day, the yeah. old, yeah, yeah. And um, and I said, oh, I can't do breakfast. He said, oh, my God, you can do breakfast. Come on, girl. And so I applied for it and I got an interview and I was supposed to have an interview with him and the GM over the phone um, who was um, Graham Tucker, my favourite GM of all time. And... Um, Anyway, it came time for the interview and he rang me and he said, look, Graham couldn't make it. Um, we want you. You've got the job. I, went, <laughs> I had geared myself up for this interview and I was a nervous wreck and, you know, ready with all of these great lines. It was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. And, yeah, you've got the job. It's like, okay, <laughs> when do I start? Uh, so that was the biggest buzz ever going to Adelaide and, um, and working with all the legends there. On breakfast, it was Sundo and Keith, and in the morning, uh, John Dean, who is just one of the biggest Adelaide legends ever. Um, and then there was Phil McAvoy and Don Plenty and Mike Elliston. It was just the the number one lineup for 50 surveys in a row. Maybe they got to 49, not quite 50. And I felt really um, quite daunted by being amongst these incredible radio talents who had so many years of experience behind them. And I was this young 26-year-old, um, green as, really, in, in you know the grand scheme of things. And they just... Ha- Richard had so much belief in me and so did um, Mark Elliston, who was the um, assistant content director, and Annie Bokes, who was a music director. They were amazing. And then, of course, off, across the corridor on 5DN, you know, you've got um, Jeremy Cordeau, who is, you know, was the owner of the radio station before ARN purchased it. So I'm just surrounded by just brilliance. <laughs> it was, it was um, I felt like I was living another life for a little while there but back to reality when they said all right you're filling in on breakfast in a month <laughs> i was just like oh my god because <laughs> um, sundo and keith were just total you know they had the audience eating out of their hands it was amazing so that was that was a bit of a, a quick introduction to doing breakfast on a capital city radio station and you know what i actually had a blast good I was nervous. I was a wreck the night before. I, I couldn't sleep. It was it was it was horrible. But I got through it and I loved it and it really cemented that passion for Adelaide which I carried on for, for ten years. Yeah, yeah incredible, it. incredible yeah, uh, longevity yeah. uh, there. But while you're there you actually did a, a bit of T V by the sounds of it, co hosting Motorvision on Channel Nine. Yeah, that's right. I was I was really lucky because my husband was really is is really passionate about cars, and um, so we we met the president of the Ferrari Club at a you know at a radio station promotion that we did, and we got talking and everything, and he could see that we were really keen on Italian cars. And anyway, long story short, we ended up buying a Ferrari. It was a Mondial. What? And it was a force, no I know, way. It, 
it was pre-kids, the whole, you know, we, we're young and stupid and we've got a bit of money, so stop it, let's just get a Ferrari. <laughs> so we, we, got, we got this Ferrari, but we also turned it into a business. So um, he was a chauffeur, so he chauffeured weddings and sort of upmarket, you know, dinners, people would, would rent it. And it was like a free Ferrari because, you know, it was a tax deduction. It was amazing. Anyway, Channel 9 had heard whisper, this production house in Channel 9, that I was a car fiend. So they came across the road to the radio station because on 10th Street, Channel 9 was on one side and we were on the other. And um, they said, oh, would you be interested in hosting a TV show about cars? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> uh, bring it on. And so um, I, I, for the audition, they said, look, just, just put a piece together about your car, bring it along and we'll film it and, you know, you're in, you're in the pack and we'll see how you go. So I rocked up in the Ferrari and I did a piece to camera about how fabulous this car was and the size of the engine and the speed it got to. And, you know, in 1987, when it was brand new, um, the types of, you know, prices you'd be looking at spending on it and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the fact I pulled up in a Ferrari, I think I had them yeah. first go because he just went, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I had the full-on Ferrari jacket on. Oh, and I was I was really, you know, I was I was in the part. And I, I snared the, the gig. And it was so much fun. Um, we, we I co-hosted that with Scott McBain, who's another Adelaide legend, uh, radio legend. We did that for the first year. And we, we got to, to test drive all sorts of cars. We had Mercs and we had um, we had a Rexton, which is Sangyong, and a few others. We had Mazdas and you know, top, topless cars, convertibles. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and then Scott left and then I had another co-host who was amazing. He, um, I can't remember his name. Isn't that terrible? Um, but he was, he was a really good four wheel driver and his company taught people how to four wheel drive and they'd done a show on channel 10. So he was very experienced. And we, in that season, we actually moved across to, uh, filming, motorbikes and I also had my motorbike license and boats uh, and that was pretty amazing because it, it had all the three things that I loved. Well, two out of three things that I loved. I was a bit nervous about the whole boat situation and uh, actually there was a situation with the boats that was a bit heartbreaking and highly embarrassing and I can't believe I'm actually going to share this story with oh, you. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you are. Please do. <laughs> Go ahead, Karen. So we were down um, near Victor Harbour, Hindmarsh Island, and this boat company on Hindmarsh had sponsored the boats that we were um, doing stories on. Anyway, I was doing a story on this boat that could spin on a dime. It was this incredibly light speed boat that I think they'd brought out from Amer America and they were selling it. And so I had to just do a story on this speed boat and it was so fast. Um, they had a guy sitting in there with me while I would, you know, we'd, we'd shoot bits to camera and we'd whiz past and they were on, um, on a um, sort of a boat with the camera on it and everything. And I was all mic'd up and it was all Pretty, pretty spectacular the way they set it up, to be honest. Anyway, they said, all right, so what we want you to do with this one is we want you to come really close to the, the, the boat that we're on and sort of whiz past and turn away. And the guy who was sitting next to me, who was the, you know, one of the workers with the boat, he's like, you know, all right, you've got to take it pretty easy with this one because there'll be a bit of wave that comes with it. So, you know, you'll be fine. Let's just do it. Anyway, so I'm coming in and I'm smiling and I'm doing my line and I hit the boat that they're oh on. Oh, my God, Karen. <laughs> I hit the boat. Oh, that's hilarious. 
Bevo. Was there damage? Oh, there was damage. Yeah. And and the guy who was sitting in with me had just come back from workers' comp from hurting his back. No. <laughs> I've got this this poor guy who could not believe – I couldn't believe I'd hit the boat. Yeah. He couldn't believe it and he's holding his back and I'm going, oh, my God, there's a big hole in our boat. I felt sick. I felt as you would so sick, and my boss from Motovision is looking at me, and he goes, "What?" And I'm like, "I have no idea how that happened. Like, I was on the right angle. We were going to miss it. It was. I, I just had no answer. Uh, I felt so bad. Awkward. So we've taken the oh, awful, and I so I took the boat back to shore, and they got out and they said, "Yep, take it into the." In the shop, it's um, it's damaged. We can't do anything with it. And I was just sick. I was so sick. Yeah. Anyway, during the following week, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. So I sent them like a big hamper to apologise, and and it was it was just terrible. And then I found out about a year later that they had admitted that they were moving forward on the barge. No. And so, yeah. Oh. So it was not even my fault. Yeah. So they stitched you up stitched and let you wear it. Oh, my God. It was the worst. That's, and then I was that like, is not good. That is not good. So <laughs> it was terrifying at the time and I felt terrible. But then the relief afterwards, it was just like, you know, I don't even care that they didn't tell me. I know my <laughs> truth. They know their truth. We'll just move on. And so I never did any more shootings for the boats again, but I continued on with the uh, – <laughs> With the motorbikes, uh, which was much more my comfort zone. Um, and then the show wrapped up when I announced that I was pregnant with my first child because uh, the insurance wouldn't cover us for me to shoot on motorbikes while I was pregnant. Oh, fair enough. I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. So that was a bummer. Um, also a bummer because my mode of transport at that point in Adelaide was a motorbike. Yeah. And so reluctantly I had to give it up to buy a car for my baby. <laughs> It and the Ferrari just doesn't really cut it, does it? Well, you know what? Just so that I could afford to have some maternity leave, we sold the Ferrari, and that yep. was my maternity leave, which ah, was pretty, very good. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So life changed at that point. It was not about cars. It was about kids. Absolutely. It's amazing how yep. your priorities change in life and, you know, families happen. <laughs> they do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, from then on, um, what happened? I had Ruby and she appeared on my show because when I came back from maternity leave, I was moved from uh, mornings to full-time. Well, I was full-time music director before, but I was music director and I did a pre-recorded You Choose show on um, nights on uh, on Smith on Mix. Yep. Uh, and so she had a little segment on Tuesdays called Ruby Tuesday. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and she was a baby and so I'd edit little bits of Goo Goo Gaga and, you know, we'd get songs on. It was a bit of a novelty thing. So she made her debut very early yep. <laughs> on the radio station. She used to sleep under the panel when I was filling in uh, on maternity leave. So that was, that was all good. And then um, once I hit 10 years... Uh, there, I resigned and we sold our house and thought, let's do a trip around Australia. That'd be pretty cool. And, and what, uh, did you have a caravan or a motorhome or something? Uh, no, we we actually had our four-wheel drive and a camper trailer. Oh, wow, cool. And so we set up 
a special mobile studio so I could still do all my voiceovers because I was actually doing voiceovers for um, quite a few Adelaide companies at that point and also I'd been doing imaging voice work for Ace Radio for years and years yeah. and years with through Mark Taylor. Uh, I think I started that about 2004, that would have been. Yeah. Um, and I was also doing it for Canberra when I'd left. I did it for Canberra for Mix for a while as well. And so we, we created this great little mobile studio so I could continue doing the voice work. And we, we did the Great Ocean Road from Adelaide and we thought we'll come back to northeast Victoria and have Christmas with our family and then we'll head off and we'll find a place that we love and we'll just stay there. And our, our image of that was, you know, a beach, cocktails, palm trees, somewhere far north Queensland. Yeah. Um, so we got here in November 2010 and uh, we're still here. <laughs> we're still here. Well, it um, must be an impressive place if you're still there. You love it. Well, it, yeah, there was, you know, there was family here and yeah. um, and Rowan's mother was very elderly and she became quite ill. So we stayed and looked after her because we had no time frame. And then, you know, she ultimately passed away and which was, you know, quite heartbreaking at the time. It was time for Ruby to start school and there was a great Montessori school in Beechworth and it all just sort of, pointed to us that maybe we should stay yeah and so we're still here um and then i had um three years after ruby was born i had isaac uh which we went back to adelaide to have isaac and then we came back here again and it was it just kept pointing to the fact that you know my family was here and we needed to 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 be to have grandparents close by and it was yeah it just made sense anyway i think it was only a year after i had had isaac that I was back in Adelaide filming. I, I did a lot of filming for Repco, um, Repco Autospares, mm. Raz. And uh, I'd go back and I'd film. And I remember I was at Burnside Village in Adelaide in the dressing room of Esprit, <laughs> trying on some clothes. Because, you know, in Beechworth, we don't have many clothes shops. Oh. And so I'd go to Adelaide and I'd fit myself out. And um, I got a phone call from Tanya Simpson. And who was at Smooth and Nova in Melbourne. And she said, KP, we need some help. We need an announcer to fill in for about four weeks because Kathy uh, Din is taking holidays and our breakfast announcer, Mike Perso, is taking holidays and we don't have anyone to fill in. And I was like, whoa, yeah. Smooth. Um, I love that radio station mm. because I was listening to it whenever I was in Melbourne. And so I said, I'll be back like the following week and they said well come down to melbourne send your air check come down to melbourne for a chat so i sent it through to rowan brown who was the content director at the time and i love rowan brown he's awesome as well in fact i had a lot of great content directors um and so we had it we had a chat over the phone and he said yep paul jackson thinks you've got the sound and so basically within a couple of weeks i was in melbourne for a month and i did two weeks of breakfast um in melbourne which was another oh, my God, mm -hmm. <laughs> have I got what it takes? Someone then, that thought they weren't good enough for Cap City breakfast, <laughs> and here you are in the second biggest market in Australia doing breakfast. I know, it was crazy. And then I did two weeks of drive for Cathy Din in Melbourne, and it was, it was brilliant. And that was really the start of my love affair with Smooth, and I've been with them ever since in some form or another. Um, I was... I think I was there about a week and filling in and Rowan Brown pulled me aside and he said, would you be interested in um, producing Cameron Daddo? 
uh, you can do it from home. And I was like, and you just need to come down to Melbourne, you know, twice a week to do it. And I, I just would drive down and I turn around and I come back. And I was like, hell yeah, Cameron Daddo. What, what oh, is the wow. drive to Melbourne from uh, Beechworth? Um, well, it was about three and a half hours. Oh, wow. So, yeah, okay. yeah, so I'd leave at silly o'clock and I'd get down there for a 10 o'clock record yep. and then allow a couple of hours there, grab a coffee, jump in the car and be back sort of bicycle pickup. Look at you go, Supermom. <laughs> it was crazy, but it was so much fun, and I loved working with Cameron Daddo. He is such a pet um, in the nicest possible way. He's he's so professional but warm and kind, and all the things that you hear on Smooth is, is, is Cam. He's really cool. So that was a real buzz, and then um, – and then I became sort of assistant music director to Kate Mason, who's along with Anne Bokes, is two of the best music directors I've ever worked with. Um, incredible. Kate Mason is a whiz, which is why she's been there so long. Uh, and then I was made redundant from that role because it was permanent part-time. And then they said, even though you're, you're no longer permanent part-time, you're still going to be on air. So I didn't really change. I still continued filling in on air and I'd travel down to Melbourne at that stage and do on-air shifts and they'd put me up um, down the road. And that was great because I could catch up with all my Melbourne friends. So like Tanya Simpson and we'd catch up for girl drinks and it was really great. And then um, and then what happened? And then, and then like, you know, fast forward a few years because I did that for a while. Um, COVID hit us in March and I was freelancing everywhere every all my work was freelance pretty much and Irene rang me from smooth and she said we've got a job offer for you and I said yes please because <laughs> I'd already knocked back two full-time roles working for smooth yeah. um, and this was the perfect one because the clincher was that you can do it from home oh hallelujah yes yeah. <laughs> and we are very ensconced in our life here in Beechworth it's a wonderful family town it's a touristy town but it's it's, it's fabulous. It's got the school that we love for our kids. Our families are close by. We've got some great childhood friends here, so it kind of makes sense. And I only have to really travel down when I throw in on breakfast, so it's not too bad at all, I have to say. It gives me a little break away from the family for a week, live the city life, and then I come back to the country life and all is well again. I think your next role will be the brand ambassador or uh, a tourism campaign for Beechworth. <laughs> well, I have, have done a few VOs here and there. We've actually <laughs> got some pretty amazing people who work here in town who are, um, who you know work for Melbourne and Sydney companies but yeah. are based in Beechworth. And, in fact, I think that the head of Mercedes-Benz Australia has got a holiday house here. Ah, so you're going to suss that out and see if you can get yourself <laughs> a little uh, hello, Mercedes. <laughs> Well, I've got to be a bit careful because I actually am a voice from Mercedes-Benz Barrick in Melbourne, so okay. you know, I don't, don't want to step on any toes. No, but you want to drive Same Mercedes. Brand, <laughs> That's it. Okay. Don't tell anyone about my Beamer. <laughs> Absolutely. Karen Prater from Smooth FM, Melbourne and Sydney. The Radio Fanboy Podcast, hosted by Bevo and produced by Matt Fulton Productions. Dan Hill speaking.